God's salvation, oh God's mercy, so amazes me. Hi there. I'm glad to be with you today, and I'm going to talk about a story uh, in the opening of the Gospel of Luke. I have found myself really, um, you know, as some people say, just sitting on some stories because they've been really speaking to me. God has been speaking through them. And one of them is a very obvious story to talk about at Christmas time, and that's the story of Mary <laughs> and how she learned that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. It's a beautiful story, and it's a story about her in particular. And she's so such a pivotal story as the mother of Jesus. But um, it's a story that really I think is so encouraging to all of us. If we, either men or women, identify with the character and the type of person Mary was, um, I think we can hear things that God has to say to us that will lift us up to and bring encouragement for our lives too. So I want to start by reading a little to you from the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to start in chapter 1 at verse 26. This is a story of how the angel Gabriel came to see Mary and announced to her that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. So starting at verse 26 in Luke 1, we hear this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Some of you I know as I read that will uh, be thinking, will have been thinking as I got to, to verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. And you'll think, well, my translation says nothing is impossible with God. <laughs> yes, uh, um, I have come to love this for no word from God will ever fail. 
That is a powerful translation, a powerful way to say that. So let's take a look at this story and think about um, what happened to Mary and what the angel had to say, what she heard about her son, Jesus, and then think about how we can apply this story in our own lives. What does it have to say about who we are and what God does with us? So I, for me, the very first thing when I read this passage, the thing that just hits me and uplifts me so much is that I hear this. God sees us, and he has plans that are bigger than our plans. He has an idea of us that's bigger than our idea of ourselves. And, you know, we can pick out a lot of people from Scripture and say, yeah, that." That's true. You know, Moses, you know, he was in Midian on the backside of the desert and thinking that he stuttered. And God saw him as the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. And Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press of all places and thinking he was the least and last of his clan and not worth much. And the angel of the Lord showed up and said, oh, mighty warrior. God has this tendency of looking at us. You know, um, maybe you have seen that picture of the little kitten looking in a mirror and seeing a lion. (laughs) And there's a caption, it all depends on how you see yourself. Well, I think that's a a picture. We can take that picture of a kitten looking in a mirror and seeing a lion and say the mirror is God for us. We often feel like a weak and helpless kitten, but God will hold up a mirror and say, this is how I see you and this is where I'm leading you, is to be the lion, the reflection that you see the lion in the mirror. So here's Mary. She's a humble young woman. She's betrothed to Joseph. She's living in her village, which is in Galilee. (laughs) Galilee wasn't New York, right? Galilee was Galilee. It was kind of the backside of Israel, not an important place, not high in the minds of the people, and um, there she was, just a young woman, just going about the things that young women women would do, you know, living with her family, preparing to marry. Um, Her life was humble, and God had a plan for her and saw her in a way that she didn't see herself. So when she's greeted by the angel, the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And so Mary receives this announcement of how God treasures her and how he sees her and that she's highly favored. She's not a nobody. She's not on the backside of the country. She's highly favored and chosen and seen by God. So that's a... a, a, that's another, there's another aspect of that that I want to lift up. It's sort of the same thing, but I just want to stress this, that God sees value in us. We may not see it, but he sees it. And we're precious and honored in his sight because he loves us, right? And even our names are inscribed in the palm of his hand. He values us and he puts value into us. And so, you know, sometimes... We can say, well, 
boy, I, ha- I I would love to do this for God, but I'm disqualified. I, I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough education. <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm a man. Whatever it is, you, you find some way to say, I don't think I measure up to do this thing for God. But God doesn't see you that way. And and there's a wonderful cliche around Christianity, right? You know, if uh, if you he will qualify you, you know, he will, if he chooses you, he's going to qualify you to do the job. He's going to equip you to do, do the job. And I especially um, say this to the people that I minister with people in recovery, because some of them feel so disqualified and so stained and to get the idea that no matter what you've done in your is. If you are in Christ, that past is the past. It's erased, and you are covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you have chosen to be forgiven by him and chosen to be qualified by him, um, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you haven't done. um, The Lord will qualify you, and that's what he did for Mary. He qualified her to be the mother of Jesus Christ. And so she learns that she's favored and blessed by God, and she hears these wonderful words about Jesus. She says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never, ever end. And so Mary's the first one to receive this wonderful news that Jesus Christ is going to be born. He's going to reign forever and ever. You know, I I want to take a little side trail here. I was talking to a group of women the other day and uh, I won't get into all the stories <laughs> because this is a mixed audience, I'm sure, but as women, we got into stories about giving birth. And I will just say this, some of the stories are pretty crazy because <laughs> giving birth is a pretty wild thing at times. Messy, <laughs> earthy, it's all those things. And I'm so struck by the fact that Jesus would come to us that way. He didn't come in a, a, a carriage with, you know, a king's carriage with white horses or anything like that. He came through birth. He came through all the struggle and agony and mess of birth. He came as a vulnerable baby who couldn't even lift up his head when he was born. That willingness to totally identify with us It just, uh, you know, I just feel the amazing love of that, that he would come and become one of us. You know, in uh, John 1.14, the word was made flesh, and he came to dwell among us. The translation, the literal translation of that is he just pitched his tent with us. And that is a wondrous thing, isn't it, that... God so loved the world that he sent his only son, and his son 
allowed himself to come this way. He didn't count equality with God, something to be exploited, but humbled himself and took on flesh and became one of us. So he knew the experience of being a baby and a toddler and a little boy and a middle school age boy and a teenage boy and a young man. He knew all those things and understood them, understood being a human being. And, you know, sometimes people marvel at this thing, the incarnation. Why did God choose to save us this way? And we could discuss that. There's a lot of reasons for that, I think. But I, I love one story that was told by Philip Yancey in his book, The God I Never Knew. I think that's the title of it. But um, anyhow, <laughs> it's close. But um, in this book, Philip Yancey said he used to feed his fish in the fish tank. And he would sprinkle the fish uh, food on the top of the water. And he said, every time I came up to that tank, those fish would just go dive, dive. And they'd all go down to where, you know, the bottom where the little rocks and things are, that the little caves that you can hide in in an aquarium. And Philip said, you know, I just wish I could for a moment become a fish with them. And just say, hey, guys, you don't have to be afraid of me. <laughs> I want to feed you. And he said, in like manner, <clears throat> Jesus became human to come among us and say, hey, you don't have to be afraid of God. You don't have to be afraid of me. I want to feed you. And so Jesus came that way as a vulnerable baby through the whole experience of birth and grew up and took on flesh and dwelled among us. That Jesus, whose kingdom will never end, who reigns forever and ever, who will come again in a magnificent way the second time he comes, but the first time he came and identified with us so richly. And so I just wanted to go off on that side note as we're thinking about this story. Mary heard those words. He's going to be a king who will reign forever and ever. And that kingdom will have no end. You might say, why also um, did God choose to send his son? And why did he come among us and live with us? And, and why, the, why, did, why does God want to help us? Why does he want to save us? And the thing of it is, God loves the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God loves the world. He's not disdainful of the world. He's disdainful of sin, but he's not disdainful of his creation. He loves his creation. When God created the world, he said, this is good, and he blessed it. And it is good. God loves his creation. He loves us. He wants to save us. You know, in, in uh, Second Peter, there's that wonderful passage, that wonderful verse that says, The Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's Second Peter 3, verse 9. God loves his people, his creation. Um, years ago, when I was in seminary, uh, we had the assignment to go and get immersed in some place we'd never been. So I went to um, 
the Benedictine Sisters Convent in Atchison, Kansas, because I live in Kansas. And it's called Mount St. Scholastica. And I went there for a week to be with these ladies and to go through all the rhythms of their life and just to get to know them. And, you know, I, I, I don't know much about nuns. <laughs> and I don't now. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but they sure didn't have on the black habit. And they didn't <clears throat> all of that stuff. Excuse me, I'm going to drink a little water. Sometimes the winter is hard on a voice, isn't it? Anyhow, we were um, there at the the, uh, the convent, and the nuns were all in street clothes, and they went out to work every day, and they were just a really relaxed, down-to-earth group of ladies. And at night, when we got through our day of uh, being in worship, of doing chores around the, the convent, We'd all gather, and they'd give us hot chocolate and candy and cookies. <laughs> I was like, this is like the – I always thought of nuns with rulers and Catholic school and that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> I didn't know the sweetness of these women and the way they heard God say, my creation is good. This is good. They believed it, and they lived out of that concept that God so loves the world. So anyhow – um, back to Mary. <laughs> Mary is puzzled by this message. She's overwhelmed by it, but she's puzzled by it. And she says, how can this happen since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And she hears this wondrous and miraculous way that she's going to conceive and have this baby Jesus, who will be the son of the Most High. And that piece of the story speaks to me so much. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's not a message just for Mary. I mean, certainly it's a message about Mary and the baby Jesus, how he would be conceived and how he would be born. But it's a word for us to, you know, things that we think are impossible and undoable, unknowable. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we are, um, we are quickened and enabled to do many things we could not do on our own. And, of course, as we think about how the Holy us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. When we receive the Holy Spirit in that way, he indwells us permanently. And so um, we are, well, thinking about literal translations, when uh, in the passage of the Holy Spirit coming on Gideon, I remember reading a commentary that says the Holy Spirit put Gideon on like a glove. <laughs> now think of that. <laughs> so when the Holy Spirit indwells us, we are like the glove and the Holy Spirit is moving through us and doing things through us, by us, but quickening our minds, quickening our abilities, giving us gifts like words of knowledge, like 
miracles, like healing, like prophecy. The Holy Spirit quickens those things in us and enables us to be Jesus' hands and his feet in the world, to do those things that Jesus would be doing if he was right here. He's now doing them through us. We carry him out into the world. So hearing that, that the Holy Spirit came on Mary, enabling her to have this child, it just underscores this truth that God can do anything. We need to trust and look for his supernatural power. Amen? Amen. What looks impossible in our lives so often is possible through God. And that just made me think, just as I said the words, I just heard a healing story from Cuba in the last month. There was a little girl in a worship service, and her parents brought her forward for prayer. And she had only one kidney. And uh, as people prayed for her, two kidneys were formed. And, yes, (laughs) and verified by going to the doctor and having the x-ray. So, you know, she was congenitally missing a kidney. Two are now there because of a miracle of God. And so, is anything too hard for God? No. (laughs) No. So, what are you needing that you need a miracle for? What are you needing that you say, ah, this will never happen, it's hopeless, it can't be so, because, you know, the way to get to there is this way, naturally. Remember, God is a supernatural God, an all-powerful God. Nothing is impossible with him, and Keep trusting, keep looking, keep expecting. And then that line I highlighted in the beginning uh, where Mary said, or where, where the um, words were said in Luke one thirty-seven that no word from God will ever fail. Those words of Gabriel. No word from God will ever fail. And Gabriel underscored this and said, even Elizabeth, An old woman, your relative, is having a baby. Why? Because God promised it would happen. He said it to Zechariah. The angel said it to Zechariah, the message from God. Elizabeth's going to get pregnant. She's going to have a baby. That was a word from the Lord. And no word of God will ever fail. So what God said to Zechariah happened in his life with his wife Elizabeth. They had a child. And now with Mary... The angel promises, no word from God will ever fail. So again, I want to encourage you, treasure God's word. It's so chock full of promises, isn't it? (laughs) Beautiful promises that it's a wonderful spiritual habit, and maybe everyone listening does this already. But I know in my own life I do it, but I could do it more. And that is to declare God's word. You know, to speak it out loud, to say it over my life, to say it over the life of people I love for whom I'm praying. I always tell people this, especially uh, I mentioned that I work with addicts. And sometimes I go to, well, before COVID, (laughs) I went to go teach them in person. And we would worship. And sometimes, you know, they've been through hard things. So they're pretty stoic. And worship songs would come on and they'd, Maybe not sing or sing kind of quietly. No, no, none of this, you know, like some of us. 
But I would always make a point of saying to them, and I want to say it to you and say it to myself, that um, when we sing songs, we are declaring the word of God over ourselves, aren't we? When we're worshiping him, we're praising him and singing to him and glorifying him. But we're also, depending on what the lyrics are, we're, we're declaring things over our lives through our worship songs. So sing at the top of your lungs <laughs> because you're declaring the future for yourself and God's word never fails. We need to cling to it and treasure it and speak it. Now, I know when I say that, Someone listening will say, oh, but Pam, I've been praying for something for a long time. I have a chronic illness. I, I'm suffering, and it hasn't gone away. So you can tell me that the word never fails. You can tell me to keep on, but I, I have to tell you I'm really discouraged. Someone listening may say that. I understand. And I know sometimes I, I have seen a ton of healing. I've prayed with and ministered with a lot of people and seen a lot of marvelous things and I've heard about it in other people's ministry and seen other people minister but I also know sometimes sometimes I have prayed and not seen a miracle so I understand that I understand and if I understand oh God knows God knows what you go through but I'm going to tell you despite the discouragement try to rise up one more time. Sometimes you've prayed a thousand times, and on a thousand and first time, you see breakthrough. So don't give up. Don't pull back. Trust God. Lean into him. Rest in him. He loves you so much. And then the final thing I want to lift out of this story is the wonderful response of Mary when she um, hears this news. She wonders a minute for, well, how does going to work. I know what I learned about making babies, and this isn't it. <laughs> Even though she wonders for a moment, she doesn't doubt. She's just wondering how, you know, how will this happen? But once she hears the part about the Holy Spirit being overshadowed, she just responds so wonderfully. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Bingo. She jumps in both feet, <laughs> both sandaled feet, she jumps in and says, okay, God, you know, I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't know where, why, I don't know all those things, but all I know is I trust you, you're a good God, and I'm going to just move forward with that much. You know, we oftentimes want to have it all laid out, don't we? You know, Lord, I, I'm happy to go along with you, but let's have a pamphlet. <laughs> step one, step two, step three, step four, and total information here. But God's asking us to trust him and to take a step at a time. Often he's asking us to trust him. He, he gives us the first piece of something that's coming and says, Only we can respond just like Mary and say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled to me and just trust God <laughs> that if we take step one, he'll then show us the next thing, step two. You know, I had a friend um, that I ministered with on a church staff a, a years ago, and, and he said, he says, I really get that uh, passage 
um, from the Psalms, your word is a lamp unto my feet. He says, I get it this way. He said, when you think about the lamps that people had in those ancient times, they were just little clay lamps that would sit in your hand, you know, you maybe even own one, um, and just a little wick and a little bit of oil in it. And you can imagine those probably didn't throw out a lot of light. They're not like some of the flashlights we have these days <laughs> that you see advertised on television. This is a little lamp with hardly any light, just a flickering flame. So imagine how much you could see with that lamp, not much. And so when you say, God, your word is a lamp unto my feet, think about that, that you see enough to illumine the next step. And then you have to trust God for the step after that, and the step after that, and the step after that. (laughs) But Mary did it, and God's inviting us to do it too. If you're hearing something from the Lord, if he's saying to you, here's what I want you to do for 2021, or even here's what I want you to do for the rest of December 2020. But if you're hearing something from God and you say, like Mary, but God, how will that happen? You know, you're telling me to take this position or or move to this place or, or take on this work or this ministry or give here. You know, you're hearing something from the Lord about the next season of your life. And you feel like, I don't quite have enough information. But may you be like Mary and just say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I trust you, God. All I want to do is the next right thing, the next thing I hear from you. And so that is how Mary connects to us. If we can remember to Hold on to the fact that God's a supernatural God. Hold on to his promise, his treasure's word, and then just trust and obey. Do as much as you know how to do and wait for him to supply the rest. (laughs) Those are the lessons from this passage. Thank you. (laughs) It's good to be with you. From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness into the promised land in boundless love and mercy he gave his only son who became the sacrifice for everyone oh God's mercy so amazing me oh God's mercy so amazes me to every generation he gives the joy of his salvation oh God's mercy so amazes me as I watch the world around me I can see his mighty hand Delivering his people from the evil in this land. The wounded and the broken from the seed of Abraham. And led them through the wilderness into the promised land. In boundless love and mercy, he gave his only son. 
who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy, so amazing me. Oh, God's mercy, so amazing me. To every generation. 